welcome to another edition of the Standig Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I've spent the last couple of days getting ready for this week's NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Excited to go back. Didn't go last year, of course, because basically there was no Combine, but this is a chance for the Washington Commanders, as well as all the other teams in the league, to get a closer look at the prospects in the 2022 draft class. That includes all of the quarterbacks, of course, uh, who may be in play, uh, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, not to mention uh, players at all the other spots. Uh, Washington certainly could look at guard. They could look at linebacker, uh, receiver. I don't mean necessarily in the first round, but anywhere throughout these seven rounds. So we're going to get to all that. But of course, free agency starts in just a couple of weeks. And this makes for a very interesting moment on the calendar where you have both of these components working together, which is why I thought this would be a great time to bring in a former general manager, Randy Mueller, who had that role with the Saints and the Dolphins. He joined me to discuss exactly that. How does the front office navigate this time of year, what does he think Washington should consider at the quarterback's spot? What does he think of Washington's operation overall? That and a lot more here on the Standard Groom Only Podcast, which, of course, you can find anywhere you do your podcasting. Also, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic, or at least consider it. I appreciate it. Uh, a new article up uh, on Monday morning, uh, a 10-point plan for the Commanders. This offseason, these are my thoughts uh, about what they should do. Obviously, we get into the quarterback situation, but also thoughts on Terry McLaurin's extension, the defensive line, Landon Collins, some free agents to target. I mentioned a couple of draft, uh, potential draft targets as well. Uh, so a, 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 always a fun exercise to play the role of GM and have no, 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 no worries about, uh, you know, all, all the, all the specific details. Like, you know, how do you make it all work? I mean, I consider it. I don't try to go over too crazy at the same point. You know, it's a fun, it's a fun job for me to do. Um, so we'll get to, so you can read that over on the athletic and I appreciate those who have been, uh, subscribing and doing that all along. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. And again, if you do that this week. You'll get updates from me from the Combine, um, in addition to having a chance to hear from the various players. Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew are scheduled to speak. Rivera will be uh, on Tuesday afternoon. Martin Mayhew, I believe, is Wednesday morning or early afternoon. So you can be on the lookout for that. And obviously, there's a lot to get into with them. You know, who knows what they're going to tell us exactly on the quarterback front or, or you know, what positions they're specifically targeting but it's always important to hear from the men in charge, so we'll do that this week. Uh, as for the Combine itself, I am kind of curious to see the exact access that we all have, the way it's worked in the past, and I think this is the way it is going to continue to work. Um, all the coaches and all the GMs have the opportunity to go up and uh, you know do a podium session, probably you know like 15 minutes or so each. There are a few teams that are going to pass, like the Patriots won't have anyone I believe I saw that the Rams, um, who do things a little bit differently than some other teams, are going to pass as well. But for the most part, most of the coaches and general managers will be there. Um, so it's an opportunity to hear uh, from others about how they tend to um, 
whatever attack the offseason top questions on specific topics uh league-wide as well obviously a bunch of teams to to keep an eye on in terms of what they have to say are the ones who are also potentially in the quarterback market whether that's the ones acquire looking to acquire some Panthers, Steelers, Broncos, to name a few. And then, of course, <laughs> the opposite end, those with quarterbacks that everybody kind of hopes might become available. Seahawks, Packers, Raiders, etc. So um, it's an interesting time. The whole league is together. Uh, if I say it's a lot of fun, I mean, look, covering sports is a lot of fun. I'm not going to deny that. So this is an interesting opportunity to get together. Some of us from the beat will be there. A uh, good chance to catch up with some of my colleagues from the athletic as well. Um, so an interesting week for sure. And I will be back this week with actual thoughts from once we get to uh, Indianapolis for uh, what, you know, what, what I've heard at that point, what I think about Rivera and Mayhew have said and so on. Um, and I'm not going to get into really like too many specific names here of guys that I'm sort of intrigued by, or think Washington could target. I do mention a couple names in my uh, story that I'll be up on Monday. But beyond that, you know, I would just say you can go back and check out the interviews I did with Jordan Reed from ESPN, Jim Nagy, uh, the director of the Senior Bowl. Uh, for, for some names, a lot of those players, of course, will be here in uh, Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be interesting to see. You know, there's, there's always this notion of risers and fallers. I think it's – I've always said this before – I always think that's a little bit probably not the right terminology. It's more like the rest, the outside world is catching up to kind of where teams are. Now there is some potential for fluctuation. Of course, at these events, the medical tests could, could, could lower some guys or could raise some guys who are having some injury, who are coming off of injuries. And and what does that mean? I think a guy like USC's Drake London, who had a significant injury last year, um, he's arguably the best wide receiver in this class. Where is he with his situation? I think Jamison Williams, the Alabama wide receiver who tore his ACL, I believe, uh, in that playoff, uh, in, in the playoffs. Where is he at with his situation? Um, he could still be a first-round pick despite the injury. So those are a couple names on that front to keep an eye on. Um, I'm certainly intrigued by the linebackers. Um, I, I had uh, George's N'Kobe Dean mocked to Washington with the um, 11th pick in my Washington-only mock draft. Had a chance on um, last week to uh, be on Daniel Jeremiah's uh, conference call with reporters. Uh, of course, Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network's draft uh, insider, and you know, asked him just kind of what did he think about the Mike linebackers, and he said that yeah, absolutely, Dean and and um, Devin Lloyd from Utah are the two top linebackers. Both could fill that role at the pro level. He thought so. Um, you know, if Washington solves its quarterback situation beyond. The, and still has the 11th pick. And I think that's something you'd have to consider. Uh, of course, you've got offensive line for sure. I think Boston College's Zion Johnson is a guard I would be intrigued by for sure if he's there in round two um, and so on and so on. This is also considered to be a pretty good class for tight end in the middle rounds. Same thing with line, uh, same thing with running back Two other positions. Washington could grab as well. Um, all right. But that's it for me here. Let me get to my conversation with Randy Mueller. I enjoyed talking to him last year. This year was no exception. Uh, Really uh, interesting to hear from somebody who's been in this situation himself uh, uh, many times over. Uh, So uh, let's let's not wait around anymore. Here's my conversation with former NFL general manager Randy Mueller here on the Standard Room Only podcast. 
All right. As promised, joining me here on the podcast ahead of uh, the NFL Combine and the really busy part of the offseason is the uh, former GM of the Saints and Dolphins 2000 NFL Executive of the Year and a fine contributor to uh, the NFL conversation often on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore he is Randy Mueller. Randy, I welcome back to the podcast. I, I hope all is well in uh, in your world. Thank you. I appreciate you having me back. And yes, all good. Uh, wrapping up another season. And hey, you know, those of us that have been GMs, when the off season comes, I kind of get a smile on my face because that's our time, right? That's that's the part I miss the most. Sure, I miss Sundays and games, but the retooling, the rethinking through, putting together a plan to build a team, that's that's happening now. So it's still a fun time of the year and gives us a lot to talk about. I, I often say that I, I, I think whenever people like look at sports, maybe they don't recognize it, but they are often looking at it either from the perspective of the player, the coach, or the front office. And I suspect for right. most people, it's the player, even though you didn't play professionally, but you played pickup ball or high school or something. Maybe the coach also, because you're like, God, why did you call that play? I always view it from the front office perspective. And this is why for me, mock drafts and, and, this, and this time of the year is when I start to get a little more, uh, I feel like I have more, I get more excited. Kind of like what you're right. saying. Uh, no. It, it, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, and you're exactly right. Most teams see it from what they see on Sundays or, or on TV, but having been around it my whole life, uh, when the when the baton gets passed from the coach to the front office, that usually happens the week after the season is done. And then the coach goes back into coach mode and the GM is more the face of the team and the franchise gets kind of retooled. So, um, yeah, there's a definitive line. I always tried to stay out of everything during the season. I was not around. I mean, I didn't want to comment on anything happening week to week, players or anything. And then once the season gets over, the coach kind of wanted me to be more out front. And I think that's the natural progression now for most pro sports anyway. So interestingly, and Washington is an example of this. I don't know if we want to say it's a trend, but right in recent years, there's more of this coach-centric notion uh ron rivera was hired uh, when he was introduced dan snyder made it point over and over again it's a coach-centric thing this guy is our one voice and they pointed to the success that pete carroll's had in seattle or andy reed with um kansas city and i guess you could say bill belichick is sort of the ultimate ver mm -hmm. version of this that they're the tip of the person uh, the, the the organizational football depth chart versus where when i was growing up maybe it was more flipped the other way you know what i guess what do you i don't know maybe as a gm you don't like that model but what do you make of that that model uh, in general well i think it's a lot to ask of your coach i'll say that and and i've worked really under coaches equal with coaches and as the coach's boss and it really hasn't changed the way i've gone about my job so i don't think it really changes the the personnel group side of things they have to do their work they have to make their recommendations based on the criteria that they set for each position and in team building as a whole. But it definitely, I think, stretches, in their case, Ron, a little thin. Um, and how much he's involved, how much tape he's watching, I don't know. I was with a guy in Miami, Nick Saban, who watched every guy we talked about. He spent hours and hours at it and absolutely not only loved it, was really good at it. That's not to say that's the norm for coaches. Most coaches want to take a little time off to reprieve. They need a breather. They need to kind of reset their, 
you know, with their staff, their coaches, their, their off season plans and programs. And we were running full steam ahead on the personnel side. So I'm imagining that even though Ron is, is carrying a couple different hats here, he's kind of, you know, uh, letting the other side of the building do their job. And I mean, I know Ron, I've been with him for a few years in San Diego at the time. Um, I don't think he's, has a big ego and has to be involved in every decision. So I don't think it hurts the team the way they're set up in Washington per se. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm fair in this when I say that both as the coach, but also as the final say, I guess on the front office, he's a little bit more of a CEO than he is sort of this maniacal coach who has to be a de determining everything. I think he, on the coaching side, he gives Jack Del Rio and Scott Turner plenty of leeway to do what they think they need to do. And then he comes in and, you know, assists or whatever. And I think the same with the front office, he actually did not go to the senior bowl. There was a lot going on. Right. He had a family event and there's always noise going on with this team. There was a name change happening and whatever. So he didn't go to the senior bowl. He explained a little bit why he will be at the combine, but um, I, I do think he sort of delegates and he, I asked him for a story that has yet to come up on the athletic he, he has this saying, he has a saying of like telling players, don't draw me a map unless you've been there. You know, to, if you, you don't know what you're doing yet. I, yeah. the coaches do, you don't. And I was like, do you find any irony that you say this when you had, when you were given control of the full team, yeah. having never had that, <laughs> having never drawn that map. And he said, well, that's right. why I have multiple former general managers in, in Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney and Chris Polian. Um, I am curious. You said, you know, Ron, I assume, you know, those guys at minimum by reputation, maybe more. What do you think of Washington's setup, both of the people, but also this Ron and then these other people kind of below him? Well, I think probably the debate would come, Ben, is, is in, are you smart with him delegating everything? And from the standpoint of he made his money as a defensive coach, you don't want him too far away from that room. That's my opinion. I would want him involved in everything all the time on the defensive side. Um, I don't necessarily love the CEO approach. I think that's fine. You can delegate, but you better have um, really good people and qualified doing those jobs if that's what you case the case is. And you've also got to be willing to hold them accountable. So as the CEO, you got to hold all the vice presidents accountable for everything they're doing. And sometimes that's hard for for a coach per se, because he's not really been in that role. Sometimes it's hard as heck to get them to be evaluative and honest on their coaching staff, much less in some other areas that they're not familiar with, but yet now uh, kind of answer to him. So it's, I think maybe less than ideal, but I know the kind of person Ron is. So that kind of trumps everything else. Um, good, really good, solid, fundamental guy who everybody likes being around. And I mean, you've seen him enough now to where you know that Everybody, you know, uh, listens. Um, he is respected by everybody in the building, and that sure helps as well. Yeah, no, I mean, he clearly has one of the better reputations. It certainly seems like uh, in this league, uh, for sure. Um, all right, so let me ask you a couple of things sort of specifically to where we are in the calendar. We're talking right now on uh, Wednesday. The combine effectively starts Monday, or at least that's when everybody will be getting to Indy. And NFL free agency is basically two weeks after that. So it is this interesting time where the combine is the, the last big opportunity to see everybody in the same space, to get the medicals, to do the interviews, to watch the workouts, but you're about to spend big money in free agency around a corner. Teams like Washington still have to make decisions on their own free agents. So as a GM, 
how do you how did you kind of balance this time of the year uh when you have both of these things kind of happening kind of simultaneously yeah it's it's a lot of things to juggle for sure again i enjoy the juggling and the multiple multiplicity of all the things going on sure. um Not i think boring. some of us do better when there's chaos <laughs> if that makes any sense but and, I, and that's really what i viewed trips to Indy, it was really chaotic because you're right. You have so many things going on. You're trying to meet with agents of pr prospective free agents. What do they call it? I think to quote Bill Polian, he said, that's legalized tampering. And so you do that for three or four days in Indianapolis as well. Um, you meet with your own people. You meet with your own scouts. You, like you said, you do interviews. You get all the information you can from these kids. And the access is, is somewhat important for that. To be honest with you, the workouts, are the least important thing. And so as, as a decision maker, I think I found myself not being around for a lot of the workouts. Instead of taking, I would take meetings with agents and, and I try to talk to as many people as I can because it is all face-to-face -face for the most part in Indy. So you're gathering information on all fronts. And then when you get back to your facility a, a week later, you kind of disseminate that information and, and see how much of it was BS and how much of it was true. So um, a lot of things going on. I think most staffs have already had their free agent meetings. They've already had some draft board meetings as well. I always wanted to know before we even got to free agency, I wanted to get the lay of the land of the draft because I want to know its, its depth. I want to know what positions I might be able to solve in rounds three, four, or five. And if I can't get those guys, let's say there are nobody at a position that I know of is, is of need for us, then I may have to go spend some money or at least identify some ascending talent in free agency and make those a priority because I know I can't get help there during the draft. So you're working about five different things, like you mentioned. Um, it's all part of the business of team building at this, in this stage. The way the rules are set up, uh, it, it makes it. Uh, I think a fun time for teams, but it can be a little crazy for sure. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Um, you mentioned the idea of already having some free agent meetings and maybe even a draft board meeting or two. You know, I, I, I hate that we only seem to be talking about the quarterbacks here, but yeah, it, it, is, it, it is kind of important <laughs> and, yep. and, and, and the options are, are pretty limited, but before we get into the specifics of what you think about some of the veterans, and some of the rookies. So I'm just curious, like how you would view this right now. So as we get here, Washington has Taylor Heineke on its roster, but I think we all recognize they want more than that. Um, even if Washington said, boy, we love Kenny Pickett. We love Malik Willis. The draft is not until April. And we have no idea what they pick 11 teams in front of them might decide they would like these quarterbacks. So they can't be guaranteed that even at 11, they're going to get that guy. So you can't yeah. just sit here and say, well, we're going to sort of be uh, not be that aggressive in free agency or, or the offset of the veteran market, but then simultaneously in the veteran market, how aggressive do you get? I mean, putting aside if, if Russ, if I can Aaron Rodgers is free, how aggressive do you get if you really do want to potentially get into the draft? So how, how would, how does, how does a GM kind of handle the, that aspect of it when you're, when the, when the calendar works the way that it works? I think you just have to proceed with the options that are available, like you said, during the windows that they present themselves. For example, I mean, it's it's clear now that 
the options of, of free agents need to be explored. I'm taking meetings with Mitch Trubisky and his guy. I'm taking meetings with Mariota and his guy, maybe even Jameis Winston. Probably not going a lot lower than that. But even before that, Ben, I think it's important that in this case, Washington assesses what they have honestly. There were some of us, and I don't want to pat myself on the back, but thought that they may have misevaluated their crew of quarterbacks last year in that I didn't think Taylor Heineke was the answer. Guess what? He's not. I'm not sure Kyle Allen isn't a better, you know, fit for that job that, that Taylor has. So they learned the hard way, you know, and I don't think many people thought Fitz was going to be healthy for a whole year at, in any regard. So they've got to do a deep cleanse of their own evaluative skills. Now you mentioned some of the other guys that are involved with Ron on the personnel side, they've got to, they've all got to do as good a job as they can to evaluate honestly what they have. And if it is going forward, they made some evaluative statements and decisions last year that they can't make those mistakes this year. That's what I'm saying. If, if they had any thought that Taylor Heineke was the guy, then wherever that information came from, we learned that that's not the case. So you've got to take history into account before moving forward so we don't make the same mistake again. So I think they got to explore all the free agent moves that are possible. They also have to look at all the trades. They have to shake every tree, whether it's, you know, Jimmy G or Deshaun Watson or Carson Wentz or even the crazy ones of Russell Wilson or, or uh, Rogers. They've got to, they've got to shake every tree provided they can't solve it in those two fashions. Then, like you said, down the line, they're kind of, I won't say stuck with, but they're, they're, they have to consider the draft. And I believe they pick 11th. Is that right? Correct. And this is just going to be my opinion on these draft guys, Ben. I mean, maybe Kenny Pickett, but they're going to have to move up to get him. They're, he's not going to be there at 11. There's two teams ahead of him, Carolina, Denver. Those guys need quarterbacks too. Um, Malik Willis doesn't help me any. Uh, again, I have nothing against the kid. I just think there's you can't create players just because there are more needs. And I think that's what we do, especially at quarterback. We create all these first round players, uh, whether it's through the media or experts, uh, you know, on social media, there's just not enough NFL quarterbacks in this draft. So I see one other guy besides Kenny Pickett that might pique my interest. And I think you'll see him come up the boards a little bit. And that's the Cincinnati kid, Desmond Ritter. I think he has size. He has arm. He has the skills that you're looking for. I just think the criteria is got to be different. I don't think we can settle on six foot tall, you know, 185 pound athletes that are raw, that really have to teach, you know, and learn and, and figure out how to play at the NFL level. It just, it doesn't happen. Trust me. I mean, Kyler Murray's struggling with it right now. And he's the first pick in the draft. Somebody determined he was, you know, a franchise quarterback. So you just can't make the mistake of making your need change the way you evaluate players some years there's one or two guys that's just the way it is so I think that draft solving their issues at quarterback in the draft is only going to happen if, if they exhaust the free agents exhaust the trade market and can then trade up a little bit from 11 because I just don't see Kenny Pickett and again that's my opinion I don't see him being there at 11 for so uh I appreciate the, those thoughts on the draft. I, I do take take advantage of what you, what you your experience and your eye for for, for talent. So um, I would imagine you you would say if you have an opportunity to get a Rogers or Wilson, you should probably do it. Whether mm -hmm. any of those guys or even a Derek Carr or Matt Ryan becomes available is a whole other story. 
uh, Deshaun Watson, because of his legal entanglements, is probably on a whole other topic. And he also has no trade clause, as does Wilson. But in terms of just those guys, and we could move on from quickly, do you just think any of these guys are even going to be available? Any of that Um, level of guy? I really don't, because you're right. Wilson has a no trade. He's not going to go to a rebuilding team, I wouldn't think. Rodgers is coming west if he goes anywhere. That's just my opinion. Um, You said Deshaun Watson. Obviously, we know about that baggage. Plus, he's got a no-trade clause as well. So I think the best you're going to probably do trade-wise is a guy like Jimmy G. And I think there's actually going to be a market and a little bit of a bidding more for Jimmy G, to be honest with you. I think it's risky that the 49ers trade him. But if they do, they're going to probably get more in return than they even thought they would get when this all started. I, I agree. I mean, I think it's, I think, yeah, I'll be curious to see if tra- if they ultimately think that Trey Lance is ready to go. Cause I know when he came out, some people were saying he could maybe needs two years to sit yeah. because of the level he was coming and he only played very limited time before the yeah. draft. Um, and as far as Jimmy G, I wrote something about a month ago during the playoffs that, Hey, I get it. Everybody's making fun of him and you don't want him. Teams like Washington would be lucky to sniff a chance yep. to get him because the guys, uh, whatever say he's been he's been there for the ride along or not yep he's been in the nfc championship game two of the last three years you can't say that about half the teams the quarterbacks in the league uh, that have even sniffed that 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 level of competition now that said let's just say for argument's sake that it's a second and a i don't know what you think would be a i guess what do you think is a a trade offer that maybe ultimately happens for him and would you pay it if you were washington oh i think they'd have to and i don't look at him as being a long range solving they got to get better in 2022 they got to get better and so to do that you got to pay a little bit of a price he only has the one year left on his deal i think i'm right with that so that's going to restrict a little bit of the compensation but it's supply and demand you don't think the steelers would give a second and a player for him maybe they might give their last their last pick in or or later first round pick for jimmy g and try to get a one-year extension out of him on top of that so yeah, I think the, the the compensation, they would have to consider anything at this point to upgrade the quarterback position. I think, and I wouldn't just start with the names that are out there either. I would dig a little deeper and just see if there's somebody that can shake free. You mentioned Derek Carr. I think the Raiders are going to keep Derek Carr, but I would definitely make the call and, and just sniff around uh, some of these other quarterbacks just to see where they're at. Um, I don't think Atlanta can trade Matt Ryan because of his cap and contract. I don't think Tennessee can trade Ryan Tannehill, but it's probably worth a call in these places just to, just to find out. For sure. I had a, I wrote about this the other day. I had a team's decision maker say to me basically that, um, or uh, somebody high up in an organization say that beyond the quarterbacks that we're all talking about, that there may be another mystery name out there. I don't know. I don't know who that is, or maybe it, maybe his view of a mystery is different than mine. But if that is the case, it you know it almost feels like that's something like that is needed not just for Washington, but for just this market in general. Because right now, based on the names that are available, it's not overly um, exciting. So that said, it seems like you agree. I think that like Garoppolo is not in the top tier of guys, but at the same point, he's he's above the guys who are currently in the say the free agent market, which is a Mitch Trubisky, a Teddy Bridgewater, Mary Oda, um, who am I forgetting? Uh, Andy Dalton, uh, Jameis Winston. 
if you, I guess if you're Washington and you just could, you know, I there, look, there could even be a market for some of these guys because of the limited options out there. But that mm-hmm. said, any one of those guys that you think appeals the most for, for this team? I think Marcus Mariota does. He's the one guy that I think, and, and he'll probably get paid a little money, but I think he's the one guy in the right system that a team could say, Hey, for the next three or four years, no problem. Let's go with this guy. And that's why I think he'll be at the top of that list. Maybe Trubisky next. That's how I would probably rate those two. I wouldn't mess with the Bridgewaters and those guys. They've had enough run that recently we've seen what their production is. And I don't think it's good enough. There's a reason Denver's looking for a quarterback. But I would definitely look hard at Mariota. And this is just my opinion, Mariota and Trubisky both. I think what we saw in Chicago unfold now, in hindsight, we can say it wasn't all Mitch Trubisky. And I do know that he progressed in different ways in Buffalo. And that year, uh, being Josh Allen's backup probably helped him more than, than he even thought it would. And I think Mariota still, for my money, is a starting quarterback in the NFL and one that you can succeed with. So um, athletic, can make all the throws. I think those guys are probably both, well, I know they're both upgrades over what Washington's has been rolling out there. Right. And the good thing with Heineke is he may not be a guy you want starting, but he did win seven games or they won seven games with him as a starter. He's shown he can play. And if Mariota and even Garoppolo who have injury histories, you do need a backup who can play. So at least he would give you a little bit of, of of wiggle room there. And and I'm with you on Trubisky plus that he was spent this last year in Buffalo with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, two guys Ron Rivera is going to trust. And if they come back and say, yeah, this guy is yep. ready to go. I think that would go a long way uh, for for Rivera. Um, yep. And then and then the draft. You mentioned Kenny Pickett could go before eleven. Uh, didn't seem you were too high on uh, Malik Willis. You mentioned Desmond Ritter. There's also Matt Corral and Sam Howe are, are in that first round conversation. Uh, Carson Strong feels like he's a little bit behind that. But um, you know, if you're Washington and you know. Ha- ha- I guess if, if you're sitting there at 11, let's argue, not argue the trade up or I don't know, <laughs> would you have, I don't know. What would you do? I guess if you were them ultimately, um, you know, based on the options that you have and knowing their whole scenario. Well, I think Washington would have to get ahead of Carolina who picks six. That's the spot you'd have to get in front of. Um, and that's really the giants or jets. Neither one of those guys uh, are going to really be in the quarterback market. So for my money, Kenny Pickett would be the only guy worth going up there. Um, would if you, you can't, would you actually do that though? Like, I guess if the question is, if, if people say that Kenny Pickett would rank below say Mac Jones last year um, at, in terms of like those quarterbacks is, is Kenny Pickett or worth going up or who cares if you need a quarterback, worth is relative <laughs> yeah just, i mean if you're going to pick him 11th if he falls to you at 11 what difference, difference does it make if you pick him six who cares right. as long as you're not mortgaging the whole world to get to six i guess that's the the the, the double-edged sword is how much you got to pay to get up there the other the other thing is and, and i'm not and again this is this is just my opinion everybody has difference and that's why baskin robbins has 31 flavors right we all get to pick the favorite when we walk in the door uh, just because I'm not a Willis guy or a Matt Corral guy, um, I kind of like Desmond Ritter. If they don't go up at 11 and they still need a quarterback, there's nothing wrong with maybe falling back for a Desmond Ritter or for a Bailey Zappi. You know, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, the Western yeah. Kentucky kid. Um, I kind of like those two guys as as potential NFL guys more than the old Miss kid more than the Liberty kid. 
more than North Carolina for sure. And again, it just comes down to your evaluation and your criteria that you're looking for at quarterback. Um, let, let me, while I have you here for a couple more minutes, let me just get off of quarterbacks. Um, the Washington, if you look at the rest of their roster, it's kind of weird. Like they're, it does, you know, they had a pretty underwhelming season. And yet if they were to bring everybody back, if they re-signed JD McKissick, they re-signed Bobby McCain. Well, Landon Collins is maybe a different debate, but whatever. They don't have a ton of gaping holes. I mean, the quarterback, but like beyond that, they don't have a ton of gaping holes. Yeah, they're probably going to lose Brandon Scherf, but they, they have Wes Schweitzer who filled in decently, I think, last year. But okay, maybe they need a right guard. Rivera has said that Jamin Davis probably is not a Mike linebacker, so they may need that. Um, you know, you could argue a, another receiver or offensive playmaker. What do you think is a priority for Washington this offseason? And what would you, based on what you think is the priority, what would you do to uh, address it? Well, I think first off, they need to do, again, uh, a little cleanse of their own scheme and system on defense. Because although they may have some good players, they didn't play good all the time. So you got to tell me why. <laughs> We've got to figure out why you know, Chase Young, why some of these guys aren't playing up to the expectations we had for him when we drafted him. Now, whether we got to change some things scheme-wise, whether we got to do some things in the secondary to uh, upgrade our coverage or our depth. I mean, we're playing with nickel really personnel in the game 80% of the time now. So what are we doing to, to pressure the passer? I know we didn't blitz much, so we're going to have to find I think they have to do a scheme analysis first and then exact set criteria for what we're looking for, especially in the secondary. I could see some depth being an issue. Like you mentioned, the middle linebacker, maybe that's an issue. They got plenty of holes. To think this team is a playoff team ready to roll, that's just if we get a quarterback, maybe. I mean, it can be done, but I think there's some holes there. And the good thing for them is they have cap room. I mean, they don't have to worry about cutting players because of the cap. They don't have a lot of guys that um, would be targets uh, because of big cap numbers. Like you said, they're probably going to lose Brandon. Uh, that's a giant number to put on another guard. Um, but they've got to get better use out of Curtis Samuel as well. He's a guy that had big money spent on him one of Ron's guys from his previous stop, they've got to find a way to use him as well. You know, so there's enough things there that we've got to do better on. We can't just sit and say, we had a couple injuries here or there. And if we get a quarterback, we're ready to roll. You, know, you mentioned uh, Curtis Samuel uh, reminds me of a question I, I'd meant to ask you. So this works out perfectly. Uh, when, when, when historically people talk about what are the building block positions for, for teams, quarterback left tackle pass rusher cornerback I mean, I think those are like the four main ones and then maybe there's a the fifth de uh, depends on where we're at what era we're in mm -hmm. I always kind of rank wide receiver lower now you need to have this uh, at least a stud one and I'm not saying you can just have garbage out there but if mm -hmm. you have a real quarterback it always feels like a real quarterback can turn ordinary receivers into better receivers but the flip side great receivers don't elevate quarterbacks definitively because you still, the guy still has to throw the ball you Great. know so mm -hmm. that said i uh, <laughs> recently some some listeners to this podcast or people on twitter have said ben you you always say don't spend on a receiver okay i kind of do think that they have terry mclaurin who is extension eligible right now they pretty much need to lock him up they did just mm -hmm. give curtis samuel a bunch of money i kind of don't view him as an outside receiver but whatever mm -hmm. you could argue they need another receiver but mm -hmm. i kind of look at it like they just spent on those two guys, or they're going to spend on these two guys and they drafted De'Ami Brown. Like, would you invest 
in a significant other receiver is in my like in other words am i misreading where we're at in this era that receivers should be maybe higher up on that building block level or do you kind of concur that like maybe it's not a position you need to put in a bunch of uh, assets into i think it's changed a little bit ben especially the last few years in that i do think you need to uh invest in receivers more so than before because it's really become a seven on seven league it really has become a passing league yeah i know we want to run the ball but i think you need three or four really good receivers because you're going to play four you're going to play three you're going to have guys get hurt i just don't think you if unless you have depth at that position it's hard to score so i think you do have to make it a quality receiver i think the skill set that you're looking for really matters um, I wouldn't invest in possession zone type receivers. Um, I, if I can find some guys that can run, that's how I'm going to spread the field. But obviously you wouldn't do that if you didn't have a quarterback that can throw the ball everywhere. That's why I like a guy like Mariota, because I think he can make all the throws, you know, in, in, I'm not a, uh, I don't know Scott Turner. I, I know Norv having spent years with him in San Diego and he wants a, a quarterback that can spread the field in all regards. And I can't imagine that Scott would veer far from that. So they've got to find a quarterback that doesn't limit their passing game. But the next step to that is having some guys that can stretch the field. And so that's a long-winded answer to your question. But yes, I do believe we need to sign some, some, some depth or, or draft depth. But they got to be some guys that can really run. That's my, that's my whole thing with receivers is you got to invest, but invest in speed. And so find guys that can stretch, find guys that can separate from coverage and you'll find that your offense has a lot more explosion. Um, and you're def- with me here. You cannot be the long winded one. It's been well-established. <laughs> I, I have, I have that role, unfortunately here. Um, and this sort of ties into the, the last thing I wanted to ask you. So, I think we're all, we're both kind of agreeing. They may not be able to make a splashy move at quarterback other than perhaps drafting somebody in the first round, but from a salary cap perspective, signing a Mitch Trubisky or one of those guys won't probably cost a ton. So they would still have cap space. And mm-hmm. I kind of keep wondering, I, as a GM, like I, I hope for your sake, you've never had to be a GM of a team that had as much outside noise, distractions as Washington has going on between the name change, fan apathy, what's happening with ownership and the NFL and Congress and all that. This is a team that needs a narrative change in a significant way. And you could say you don't want to make moves based on that, but I think people are human. Like I can imagine that's got to be some thought. I am curious what you think of that, but also is the receiver the position that maybe they can then do that when you consider, I don't know if Devontae Adams or Chris Godwin are ultimately on the market, but if they're not given the tag, maybe they are. You got Allen Robinson um juju smith schuster's out there some other guys like is that a position that maybe gets you it makes sense to invest in based on where they're at and maybe also help sort of flip the narrative a little bit yeah it sounds good on the surface for sure i do think the black (laughs) cloud the black cloud that is over that franchise has to be removed some way because it's 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 not only felt you know, in the beltway, it's felt all over the whole country understands where they're at and, and the hurdles that they've had and really the culture that Ron has tried to change, but it's been a, it's been a struggle because every, you know, six months, something new comes up, but with regard specifically to those receivers, when you, when you map out, say the top 10 receivers, there's a bunch of them that come with baggage and that's going to be the problem. I think I agree with you, or or I guess I concur in that I would like to see them spend some money on a receiver, but you mentioned Chris Godwin, ACL. 
um, Michael Gallup, Dallas, ACL, OBJ, ACL, um, DJ Chark only played three games, fractured ankle. So there's a bunch of guys hamstring for Allen Robinson, like you mentioned. There's two healthy ones, and that's Devontae Adams and Mike Williams from the Chargers. I think they're both going to get tagged because of that. If I'm at those teams and I see, I mean, nat- naturally Devontae is going to get tagged, but I don't think the Chargers have a choice but to tag Mike Williams as well, just because he's going to be the, the target of a lot of teams um, just based on numbers. And I don't think you can do that. So you're, they're going to tag him, which takes you down to second echelon receivers again. So uh, again, when you're building and you have to settle for receivers 11 through 20, as opposed to somebody up there, I would probably rather draft one or sign an ascending one that nobody knows about and try to develop them. So there's a lot of ways to, <laughs> it's funny, a lot of ways to skin the cat as they look over your shoulder, you know, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my Lenny is, uh, my, 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 my co-host is, uh, behind no us. offense, Lenny, trust me. <laughs> No, let, 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 let Lenny, Lenny appreciates the football thoughts. Um, well, Randy, look, I really appreciate it. I mean, it is, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. It, it does make it fun though, to, to try yeah. to figure out what's the okay. scenarios and how it's going to unfold. And I'm sure Ron Rivera would like a more direct path, but this is where they're at. And, and that's if, if, if misery loves company, he's got <laughs> some of that because a bunch of teams are going to be in this boat yep. of what do you, what do you do? Uh, Randy, I mentioned some of your, uh, exploits at the top where can people kind of find you if they want to hear more uh from you uh these days well i have i mike sando your national writer at the athletic and i do a podcast every weekend uh, we've done it for two years now so that's been fun they can find me there they can find my blog at mullerfootball.com where i write stuff from the gm chair most weeks sometimes multiple times in a week so uh, i enjoy writing and then i do a lot of these podcasts for other people and radio around the country so um it's, it's just enough to keep me busy ben <laughs> well randy i really appreciate it I, I i really enjoyed talking to you last year and, and this was another great one so I appreciate it and uh we, we will see what happens thanks so much thanks a lot all right many thanks to randy mueller for his time uh look forward to catching up um with him down the line and many thanks of course to everyone here for checking out the podcast checking out my work on the athletic follow me on twitter at ben standig and so on um like i said we'll be back i'll we i'll be back this week uh from the combine with a podcast there and then of course we'll have plenty more to go as we lead into the free agency and the draft here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. Until next time, see ya.